Welcome to Slump Busters. It's time for episode 104 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, UG Talk Sports, and our guest today is going to be hip-hop recording artist Bigger Than Goliath. On today's episode, we talk Dennis Schroeder's new deal with the Celtics and break down the AFC South. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout-out to our partner. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single-source, single-origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. Kmancoffeeco.com, promo code slump. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump and get yourself a case today. All right, listeners, it's time for the episode, Juju Talk Sports, Bigger Than Goliath, episode 104. Let's get it, let's bust a slump, and let's enjoy. Welcome to Slump Busters. It's time for episode 104 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I am your host, Juju Talk Sports, and we got a big episode today. We got an episode that some would say is even bigger than Goliath, as my <laughs> guest today is going to be recording artist bigger than Goliath, the man who invented our original theme song. Couldn't be more thankful. Anthony Armiel, welcome into the show. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. A long time coming, man. Glad to be here. Exactly. Most listeners, if you've been with us for a while, are familiar with your voice. Like I mentioned, you wrote our original theme song, man. And thanks again for that. Like, I think it really kind of like kicked off the show, kind of made everything sound a little bit more professional as we kind of came into our own. And by the way, it's always cool just to hear your name in a theme song. I don't think most people ever have a theme music per se, but like the here, hey, do, 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 do. So I'm going to put you on the spot, obviously. I, I need you to line for line go with every single verse. Yeah, man. There's a couple people that haven't heard the original. So let me pull it up real quick. I got you, dude. Got it saved on the phone somewhere? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'm going to sing a more acapella instead of song. Okay, acapella. Quiet yeah. on the set. Make sure my mic is on. Air is Dre and Juju Dog diving towards the pylon. Go for two. So damn rude. Recognize authority. Spitting tips for fantasy. No way you're outscoring me. Full prediction with conviction every single day. Sports addiction. No restriction. Kicking game like Pele. He's the greatest. What's the basis? Pick an athlete. Let's debate this. Game outrageous. Trading paces. Sudden death. Take 10 paces. Turn and shoot. Boys the truth. Mamba mentality. Future greats take their place. Dreams become reality. Low and outside. Knocked it out the park. Your boy discovered fire like a rock with a spark. Refs acting like Neanderthals. Phantom flags. Nothing calls. Heartbreak loss. This tragic falls every week discuss it all settle in listen up free your time like andrew luck show's about to start i suggest you buckle up it's kind of funny that last lyric still resonates to this day obviously this is going to be the <laughs> afc south preview andrew luck freeing his time has definitely affected the colds going into this season <laughs> absolutely man and they could definitely use a solid quarterback dude so yeah well, they're trying to bring one Colts quarterback out of retirement. I've heard some rumors that Phil Rivers is contemplating it once he decides whether or not he wants to stop coaching high school football or not. <laughs> With his million kids, yeah. I mean, you can relate, right? You're reaching Phil Rivers' numbers here soon. Father of four, baby. That zone oh. defense, second they outnumber you. After that, I had another one, had another one. 
I thought you were just trying to fill out a football roster, exactly. get a starting lineup going. I mean, you're close to at least getting some eight man. I'm halfway there. You're at least close to filling the box right now. So I think that and if they all grow up to be as big as their dad too, you know, that, that might be a bit of a problem there. Pretty fun, man. So Malachi actually just started his first year at Mighty Mites. So he's playing 7Y right now. So he's their starting defensive end and left tackle. So we'll see what he does. I saw you out there with the, on the Yaffle field. So that's kind of cool, obviously. You know, that father experience, just being out there to coach up the kids. So I, that's definitely a big part of your lives. Where do you fit in, of course, uh, rapping, game, that kind of stuff going? I know you've dropped a few singles. You've dropped a few songs over the last few months, last year. Uh, how yeah, does that all so fit in your life? I definitely had to prioritize and reroute a lot of my time. So I took a break from music about 10 months ago when my youngest daughter, Avery, was born over there in late September. So I actually took 10 months away after, because I had my album dropped last March, and then I had like four singles come in after that. And then with COVID kind of setting down live shows and everything like that, I really kind of put music on a back burner, just making sure that I'm focusing on my four kids. My wife, Tiffany's been awesome, but it's been fun. I've been able to write still, did a couple ghostwrite tracks for artists here in New Mexico and stuff like that. So still, obviously, you're never not doing music when it's like that big of your life. But now that my daughter's getting a little bit older, I was really excited and got back into it. So I have two singles dropping here this month. Super excited about it. What was the big inspiration that got you into music and wanting to pursue it, obviously, as a career? I think talent. Just even when you're a first grader doing poems or writing stuff for class and you realize that it's like better than everyone else's, you're just like, okay, this isn't easy for you guys. The like, confidence, I, I got you. <laughs> but just like when you're good at it, you just want to keep pursuing it and going it. So that kind of made me push the boundary, push the envelope a little bit. I had wrote a song for Taco Bell, like in fourth grade, like I wrote him a little poem and I took it to the guys and it was cool. The GM for like Taco Bell right there off Wonder Bone Lomas, he actually gave me like a hundred dollar gift card to like use and eat there. So I thought that was pretty sweet, but I just always had fun making songs, like even parodies, like Weird Al style, just like switching the lyrics around, going through like that. But it was something I always did as a kid. And just as you got older, just progressed with it and got better at it. Obviously, I love my hometown. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, born and raised, but I'm sure there are some challenges trying to come up from the music scene there for a community that doesn't really have a very lively or known history of music. Can you kind of touch on that? Like, is there any challenges you find coming out of New Mexico? Oh, yeah, man. If you're talking to anybody else that's not from here, they assume like you're like a cholo rapper or like you're going to bust out some mariachi or like Get some SPM like, going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So just letting them know you kind of have to like show them a song or two to like have them kind of take you serious because when they hear that your mind automatically goes there to where it's like nothing against like Chicano rap or anything like that. But it kind of stayed in the 90s to where it's like that flow, that style just doesn't work anymore everything's a lot more vibe a lot more instrumental now but if you're not going to go in that lane too like you got to have lyrics it's kind of funny too though because it really kind of like wow he's good he's from out like they don't really expect it because they already kind of knock it because you're like oh you're not in a big city you're not from that you can't do that so <laughs> i embrace it i like it <laughs> who would you say is uh someone that you really like right now who is your favorite artist currently going 
Currently, man, Joyner Lucas. So from storytelling to lyrics, and he's already worked with so many of the higher ups, like OGs of rap. He's that next dude. Like, he definitely gets a lot of respect amongst the community. I think he has a little bit of a unique thing that going right now that he's taking other people's beats and then turning it into his own. Like, for example, them, yeah. yeah, for example, his Gucci Gang remix, I, I think is one of my favorite songs to listen to while I'm at the gym. His Mask Off one too, man. So, oh, yeah, Mask no, Off, like, that's a good one. He absolutely kills it. And then one of the first songs I heard from him was that Ross Cappuccione one. It was the storytelling about the guy that wants to initiate a gang. Have you ever heard that one or seen that I'm one? Not, not familiar, but I'll definitely give oh, that a look after the show. It's because like an eight-minute song, but it's a whole story. It shows like two points of view. He's beast, man. He's really good. What are your thoughts on Dax? He's so... Uh, one of my friends, Trevor, Trevor Pack, I don't know if you remember him from Manzano. He actually put me on him. And it's funny because I heard the song he did with Hobson, that Bird Box one. And I was like, oh, that guy's pretty cool. That's good. But my friend was like, no, no, no. He had a Tory Lanez diss. That is literally one of the best diss tracks that I've ever heard. And then he did a remix to Rap God. And he does a one-take music video. You, amazing. Super, super talented rapper. Yeah, Dax is, Dax is sick. His own unique style, too, of not coming up with a hook, just going straight uh, lyrical bars. verses. I, bars, just straight bars, bars. bars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The little things that he kind of like implements in between the lyrics to the little like play on words uh, to keep the flow going. Like uh, that's definitely something I appreciate over since I ever got turned on to him too. All right, man. Hercules is another fun one too. Hercules? Hercules. 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 Merc. Hercules. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I've heard him before. He was on a track with Tech Nine and Hobson before. So, yeah, no, no. That's definitely one of the ones that I've heard him on before, too. Uh, Was that bass or bass? Bass, bass. Why are they they spelled the same? Right. English language, just confusing everybody. Exactly. Like, come on, guys. We got to separate it out. Or I'm going to start calling people bass girls. Actually, live and live, read and read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think that covers our hip-hop topics of the day, but I think it's time to get into some, some sports. That's what we're here to talk about, right? And yes, obviously, we're both Celtics fans here. I know I don't want to burn out the audience here. We did talk Celtics a couple episodes ago, but they made a big signing. Dennis Schroeder Huge, comes over for $5.9 million, one-year deal. Uh, he turned down an $84 million contract from the Lakers, the rival Lakers, to come to Boston. Uh, I don't know how much of that is by choice. Um, but Dennis Schroeder in Beantown, I think is a good deal for them. I think they needed that kind of point guard, solid defense. I don't know how much it really elevates them in the East right now, because obviously we always get smashed by the Bucks, and the Bulls got better. The Heat got better and the Nets still exist. So I don't know where this team really ranks with Dennis Schroeder, but I do think that it makes the pieces around them, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a lot better. Your thoughts on Dennis Schroeder coming to Boston. So I think it's massive. And that was the biggest thing. I was talking to a lot of my friends about it and I was like, I really want him, but I really hope we don't pay more than 10.5 a year for him. Because if you're a Celtic fan, you know the moves for Bradley Beal next year. We are doing everything in our power to do these expiring contracts, everything, freeing up everything for 2022. We are trying to land Bradley Beal. Uh, Him and Tatum have huge chemistry, huge history together. If we can get Brown, Beal and Tatum for 2022, that's dangerous because we're already dangerous with the two J's we have to me I think we have the best two-way duo in terms of offense and defense with Tatum and Brown I will stack them up against any two-way players give me Braun AD I'll take the two J's on that 
like literally. What were your thoughts on the front office changes? Brad Stevens going to the GM role and Danny Ainge retiring. Were you happy with this first free agency period so far? So far, I love it. Um, I got a lot of love for Danny Ainge. He's the one that made 2008 happen. So for that alone, he could do no wrong by me. I think there was a lot of times where you kind of felt frustrated because he would hold on to stuff and hold on to draft picks and never really make it happen. We made a splash with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie. I honestly just think that leg injury with Gordon Hayward kind of derailed it. And it was kind of like from there, it was kind of no going back. Um, he knows what it takes to be on a championship team. He got it done with the Spurs. And I love how him and Tatum already have a lot of rapport doing Olympics together. I think it definitely needed to happen. And I think Brad Stevens will do better as a GM than he did as a head coach. And he was a great head coach, but there were times to where he kind of needed to like light a fire, like get angry and he would stay cool, calm and collected, which is nice. But there's times where you need emotion to kind of get the fire going. At least I, my thoughts are, but yeah, I like I, the move at head coach. I guess I'm a little concerned based off the first trade, the first big trade that he made was obviously to go out there and bring back. Yeah. Well, I'm okay with them getting Kemba's contract off the roster because I think yeah. that that was something that didn't really fit well, but uh, the return obviously getting Al Horford back and then trading away assets to move Kemba, I think is uh, a little questionable, obviously bringing back a lot of old faces, Enos Canner coming back, you know, it's, very lateral moves, not anything that's really too big. And I, I guess if you're saying that it's to make a big splash next year, go after Bradley Bill. 100% um, that's I, what the move is for. Yeah. Kemba was not there in the playoffs when I needed him. He was smiling on the bench going like that when we're down by 20. At least he showed up on like Kyrie. Than Kemba Walker. I'm, I'm not there for that. Al Horford was a junkyard dog in the playoffs when we needed him. Uh, except whenever we had to face LeBron. Yeah. And you got to remember that Al Horford and Dennis Schroeder were on a 60-win Atlanta Hawk team, and they're about to be on the same team together. I think they were playing chess from the get-go, and Dennis Schroeder was literally second in voting for sixth man of the year before the year with the Lakers. When you're not LeBron and AD, obviously you're not going to be a focal part of that offense. Dennis Schroeder is going to be able to ball out with us, and then with him already having a rapport with Al Horford, I think they're going to absolutely kill it, dude. But what does that mean in the Eastern Conference when, you, again, you have all these teams, these big four? Even, I didn't even mention Philadelphia or Atlanta, who managed to make it to the Eastern Conference last year. Where do they fit into that mix? Because right now, it's not looking like they're anything above a four seed. I would see us at four seed. And honestly, I think we can win our title as a four seed. Okay, you got to remember, Jalen Brown broke his wrist literally three weeks before playoffs started. And if you have him there with that net series, I honestly think we could have got past them. And like the sky's the limit, dude. We had no Robert Williams, no Jalen Brown, no Kemba Walker. And we still were able to steal a win from him. You know what I mean? It's like, I really think Jason Tatum is going to take a step forward in terms of being like MVP conversation. Robert Williams gets to start a full year when this guy's giving you nine blocks, he's giving you like 20 and 10. Like, I really think we could take a step up and we're finally in a position that I love being in. I absolutely hate when everyone expects us to be like title contender. Like when we had Kyrie on the team, I hated that. Let us go through and do what we do and just literally silent assassin everyone. I, I see what you're saying. Like when expectations, the spotlight isn't on, that's when the Celtics tend to shine the brightest. That makes sense when you go back to that 2019 season, obviously when, like you mentioned, Kyrie, Gordon Hayward coming back, 
this team was in the game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals the year before. A lot of people just assumed they were going to win the title that year, end up uh, just falling hard on their face then five games to the Bucks, And then fast forward to the next year in the bubble, make it to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat. I think the next step, obviously, this team does need to make it to the finals to be taken seriously. And if they don't, I think that's when people start to question, should we start thinking about blowing this up? Should we start thinking about like moving at least one of these pieces? I think we talked about this on the pod a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Jason Tatum, obviously he's the stalwart of that team. That's who they're going to move forward. He's the future, but Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, guys that we love as Celtics fans may eventually become expendable. If this team is shown that they can't advance past a certain point. And that's definitely one thing that's going to be unique, obviously, as they uh, talk potential contract extensions with Marcus Smart. I know that's another big conversation, obviously, for the Celtics. Could they really talk contract extension if they're also targeting Bill next year? Absolutely. So that's why we offered him the $77 million for the four years. You're keeping him under 20 a year. If you do that, you can still get Bill next year. But without that, if he's wanting the 84 a year, like shorter money, stuff like that, we wouldn't be able to make it fit. Now we offered him right now, we'd be able to squeeze that in and we'd be paying on the luxury line, but we'd be able to make it work. I know one of the big things, obviously, that has been a staple of Brad Stevens teams, though, is getting the best effort out of their players, even mid-level players. So that's going to be one of the things that I'm most intrigued to see about with Ime Aduke. Can he get the uh, average guys to play above their station and uh, produce at a high level because some of the best Celtics teams obviously have not been the teams, as you mentioned, that were star laden with a Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. They've been teams that have overperformed with someone like a Isaiah Thomas, who, by the way, is dropping 81 points in semi pro leagues. Uh, I wonder Terry if he's going to go back. And, absolutely. Exactly. Starts. Terry Rozier oh, yeah. uh, going against Drew Bledsoe there. Yeah. You know, there, there <laughs> is uh, some positives for the Celtics. But I am a little concerned, obviously, this team, they're trying to break through that glass ceiling right now. And it seems like they got further away from the goalposts. It seems like the goalpost keeps moving as the Eastern Conference continues to get better. And that's one of the things that concerns me about this team in the long run. The only bright spot I have is, again, our boy Tatum, a scoring machine, putting up 50 points. I I just wonder if he can... um, Produce in those clutch moments because there are some moments that I have noticed from Tatum that do kind of worry me. Obviously, game blocked by Bam a couple of years ago. Obviously, so that uh, was, missing that if wide you open shot. This season, though, my man put on like 15 pounds of muscle and he is absolutely driving to the basket because that messed with his psyche, dude. Like, literally, without that game, we probably win the finals. Like, that was such a momentum changer. That it was huge, man. Massive. But no, he's put on a lot of muscle and he's being a lot more aggressive. He doesn't have to take that Paul Pierce at the key, just turn and shoot. He's driving more times than not, man. So that's been fun to watch. Peyton Pritchard, Naismith, and Summer League right now are absolutely destroying it. Absolutely killing it, man. They're both tied for sixth in scoring right now in Summer League. Going to try not to read too much into that overall because obviously Summer League can be a little deceptive. Uh, Jello ball is bowling out right now in summer league. So I'll kind of temper my expectations until I start to see it game one here in October. But now this is time where I go all in on your bias here to talk the AFC South, a division so great. It can only be contained on Thursday night football. Uh, we went through the North. We went through the East. It's time to head on South. So bigger than Goliath. This is where you get to exude your bias, but we're going to start from the bottom of the division first, starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Last season, this team finished one and 15. This season, I have them finishing three and 14. So not a huge jump, but a lot of changes definitely have taken place in Jacksonville. Obviously, the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, comes to town. Uh, Urban Meyer decides to head down from Ohio State on retirement. Uh, obviously, Tim Tebow is in town. So that's another big headline for this team. But some of the things I expect to remain the same and why I don't have them make it a huge jump is the strength of schedule is one thing that concerns me when I look at the AFC South as a whole. The NFC West is going to be part of their schedule. AFC East, a lot of tough games that I think are going to be very tough for a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach to really overcome. Even going to face a team like Denver with a team like Vic Fangio, I think it's going to be a tough game for a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's still learning. Some positives to look at if you're the Jaguars. There are some great pieces. Obviously, I mentioned Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark, guys that you can really market and get behind as a franchise, as a team, as a state. And I think there are going to be a lot of positive things. There is going to be a lot of sunshine for the Jacksonville Jaguars as things progress. Your thoughts on the Jacksonville Jaguars? I like them. I try not to be biased on them. I feel for them. Um, they lost a lot of key pieces on defense, though. And I think you hit the nail on the head. We literally have to go through some really tough teams. I think 3-14 and 14 is a fair estimation. I think they can maybe split a game with Houston. I think they play the Dolphins. So there's a couple 50-50 games where they can go through. And I think a lot of that's going to have to deal with what Trevor Lawrence can do coming into that. He definitely has the capability I mean, we got rocked by Joe Burrow last year. You know what I mean? So it's like they can come in and like kind of take over and do those games. But I definitely see them last in our division as well, too. I think it's definitely a big rebuilding year for them. It'll just be interesting to see if they can do it the right way. One of the more unique things, obviously, for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence is going to be the fact that they have to lose some games. This is something that these guys haven't had to do a lot Not in their college careers. At all. There yeah. was that insane statistic that Trevor Lawrence, uh, including his high school career, had really only lost two games. And then Urban Meyer, you look at Ohio State and what they've done, obviously running through the Big Ten, what he did at Florida, running through the SEC, the toughest conference in college football, and even going back to when he was at Utah, doing well in the Mountain West. The guy's just been a bona fide winner every step of the way, and he's come into a league where parity happens, you're just going to lose games. Even the best teams, no one's going 16-0. and No one's going 17-0 and now. Um, so the thought that even just losing, um, I have them losing 14 games, that's going to be more losses than these guys have combined between both their careers. That's pretty amazing statistic when you hear it that way, but it's going to happen. I do not see them honestly getting above five wins yeah it's gonna be a rough year for them but it's gonna be interesting to see what he plays like in the nfl because it's always one of those you think someone can kill it and then you see them with the pros you're just like oh, okay that kind of humbled them a little bit or all right so it's gonna be interesting to see man for sure i'm just waiting for the espn highlights of seeing trevor lawrence throw to tim tebow that's really what i'm looking for especially this preseason they haven't even officially named trevor lawrence the starter which i think is kind of silly we all know he's the starter uh, but backed up Minshew or is he good, gone already? Gardner Minshew, he's there. Gardner. In fact, he, the man hasn't taken a shit for two weeks because <laughs> number two is not on his mind. That's according that, to him. Yeah. <laughs> what a lovable character. He's going to be that next Ryan Fitzpatrick that just kind of yes, sticks around the league, starts for a few 100%, teams. 100%. He is the next Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. You're just going to say, oh, Gardner Minshew starting and... for us? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can win Why a couple of games. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then. <laughs> 
But I, I think that covers the Jaguars. Obviously, a lot of reason for optimism, but this team is still a work in progress. Uh, the next team in the division. So this team has had a ton of turmoil uh, going back to last season and definitely this season. The Houston Texans. Last season, they finished 4-12. and 12. A little clerical mistake. You said that we both have this the Jaguars finishing last place in their division. I actually have the Houston Texans finishing last place. So I have them going 1-16 this year. Because, no at, love. because at this point, I'm starting to have a hard time seeing is that uh, Deshaun Watson. That yes, Deshaun I, isn't going to play one game? I am having a hard time seeing him play a single game because you have a very uh, cherished and beloved sports writer in John McClain who's saying that he has seen Deshaun Watson play his last game in the Texans uniform. And if that's coming from him, a guy who's well-connected to the team, I think that really says it all. When you really think about it, even if he can't, does want to play for the Texans, even if he decides, you know, screw it, the NFL can always come down and say, hey, we got all these pending allegations. Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills are going to be put in there. With not a ton of talent around them, you have some pieces there that I like, like Brandon Johnson. David Johnson's okay, but he's not great. He's not 2016 David Johnson anymore. Uh, Their defense was one of the big shortcomings in the team. You have a new head coach. And I was one of the big Bill O'Brien supporters, actually, which is a very rare thing. Just because when you look at the record, you look at the guys going to the playoffs every year. They fire him after that slow start last season. And now I'm just kind of looking at this roster, like what is it really anything that I really like about it? And when you have trouble at the quarterback position alone, I think that just sets a bad precedent for the rest of the team. And that's why, again, I, I just can't see the Texans being anything but one of the worst teams in the league this year. I see where you're coming from with it. I still think their offensive pieces is more than Jacksonville. And honestly, I would still take a tie rod over a rookie QB and Trevor Lawrence, I he got the Bills to the playoffs before it was cool, before uh, Josh Allen went and did it. So I still think they're going to be a decent team, and I still think they're going to be able to put points on a board. It's going to be barn burners with defense, but I still think that they're going to be able to at least put up 21 to 28 points a game. See, Anthony Lynn is reunited again with Tyrod Taylor. He's now the OC out there in Houston. But I look at that team, I don't think they'll be able to really put up points. And that's mostly just because I think Tyrod's gotten worse over the years. Just looking at him, and I I don't think that he's long for starting either way. Regardless of what happens with Deshaun Watson, I could see them putting out their rookie quarterback that they drafted, Davis Mills. So this might be the third straight season, fourth straight season that Tyrod Taylor loses his job to a rookie quarterback. Uh, Started with Baker, went with Justin Herbert. Heck, you can actually say it even started with Nathan Peterman for Tyrod Taylor getting his job taken by a rookie. But I just don't have a lot of optimism for this team. And I think the city of Houston definitely doesn't have a lot of optimism for this team. Hell, you have Randall Cobb making comments there that it felt like a prison that he just escaped when he went to Green Bay. I've never <laughs> seen, that, some, Rogers. I've never seen someone that me. happy to go to the cold. <laughs> No, out of these two teams in the AFC South, though, I definitely think they're going to be sub 500, well below sub 500. But yeah, it's going to be a rebuilding year for them as well, too, man. Yeah, I think, honestly, the biggest thing they could benefit from, though, is having a pick at the top of the draft, because that uh, trade they have for Laramie Tunsil is still hurting them to this day. Uh, That's probably Bill O'Brien's biggest mistake. He was not a great GM. But then again, you do need to pick up an offensive lineman for Deshaun Watson. It's kind of a catch-22 there. Titans had the number one pick that year, and we traded out 
and we gave it to Philly so they can get their guy, man. Thank God we did, dude. I was like, hey, because we would have picked Tunsil. We needed our offensive linemen. And yeah, yeah, so glad. You know, speaking of that, uh, speaking of Philly, actually, you mentioned, kind of has correlation to our next team here, the Indianapolis Colts. So last season, they finished 11-5. and five. This year, at the Colts finishing 6-11. and 11. And the biggest reason, of course, they might not have their quarterback for the start of this year. And I'm glad that news broke before I had to do these record predictions because I remember a couple of years ago when we first started this podcast, did my Colts record prediction, and then Andrew Luck retires. This season, at least I know going in, Carson Wentz is going to get hurt. Carson Wentz is hurt. And I, I think even when he does come back healthy with a foot injury, that's something you don't like to hear from your players. Those are things that tend to linger because obviously there's no way to perform a football activity without involving your foot. So it's a pain tolerance issue at a certain point in the season. And I don't know if Carson Wentz has the mental toughness to deal with it. That's why I think the Colts are going to be okay because their roster is so good. DeForest Buckner, uh, Darius Leonard, the pieces they have on defense. Uh, They're also missing Quentin Nelson too, had the same exact foot injury, which I think is just insane. Like why is this foot injury just come out nowhere to play one specific team and two of their star players? But either way, neither here nor there. I think the talent on this roster will keep this team viable in some games, but they're just going to have a slow start to the season. I think it's going to be very hard for them to bounce back from that. And that's why I have the finishing six and 11 with me on that one. I hope so, because honestly, they're one of the most balanced offense in the NFL. They have solid backfield. So that's the thing. We have Derrick Henry, but they have a three-headed monster who produces Hines, Taylor, and Mack at any given night can kill it for you. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's getting older, um, but he's still solid. You got Jack Doyle, who's absolutely solid. Signing Fisher after their left tackle retires. I was like, what the hell? I was like, finally, their left tackle retires, and then they get Eric Fisher. They have pieces all around, so I wouldn't count them out. I honestly see them kind of more of a, what was it now, nine and eight? I yeah. see, If you told me they were healthy coming into the year, that's probably where I would have had them too. It's just yeah. it, with the injury at the quarterback position, it's hard for me to look at Jacob Eason, who's a sophomore, didn't play last year, or Sam Ellinger, love him. Hook them, it's a but tough, uh, I, a I think that that's a tough task. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But no, so I think a lot of it rides on Wentz, how long he's out and what kind of production you get out when he goes. Because honestly, those first five games of the season are pretty crazy. Yeah, and let me pull up the schedule. Yeah, pull it up real quick. Who are they playing with the first five weeks? Uh, so the first game, they play off Seattle. So Seattle, tough test out the gate. There's no way I see a rookie going against Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, that and winning. Then they play the Rams. So they could be starting 0-2 in this situation. And then here's where you luck out here. The Titans, so they go into Tennessee, have to play that game. So they might be 0-3 at this point. Division Uh, game, yeah. Their first winnable game, and this is even not that great for them. At Miami, Miami was a tough team last year, almost a playoff team. Exactly. What that one's going to come down to is has two amazing big changes and improvements. But if he has, then then that doesn't look great for Indy. So 0-4 at Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, 0-5 potentially. Then their first real winnable game versus Houston. This is going to be, again, teams that are scrapping for kind of that middle of that division, that lower end of the division here. Obviously, I've told you what I think about Houston. So I think they end up winning that game. But then at San Francisco versus Tennessee again, they face the Jets, a couple rookies, but either way, that start to the schedule, that first eight That's weeks. A tough five games, dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's just a horrible way to start. And I, I think that 
it's hard to really get back right back on that track. And I think that's what's going to happen to the Indianapolis Colts this year. I could see it, man. But great defense, and they have one of the best O-lines. Like you said, Nelson got hurt, though. I think he'll be back, and I think he'll be in. But, like, they have solid, solid pieces. But if you don't have that captain of the ship, man, if you don't have a quarterback that can go in and get it done, man, they're going to they're gonna have some issues. And for Carson Wentz's future, I hope that they don't go after Nick Foles. <laughs> but, all right, let's go to this last team in the division, the team you're most excited to talk about, your Tennessee Titans. Last season, finished 11-5, won the division. Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards. This season, I have your Tennessee Titans finishing 14-3. and So one of my highest wow. finishers in the league. And I just look at the pieces. Obviously, they added the big name on offense there, Julio Jones, uh, Bud Dupree on the defensive side of things. So their defense is going to be much improved. I am a little concerned about Todd Downing as their OC. I do think that he was uh, a liability and his time in Oakland obviously got fired pretty quickly. So I, I don't have a lot of reason for optimism on that side of things, moving from Arthur Smith to Todd Downing. But I do look at, at a certain point, it's like, no matter how bad of a chef you are, you have A1 ingredients here. So 100%. make it work. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to miss Art Smith. I missed LaFleur too, though, and we did all right. You know what I mean? So It's kind of funny. He was very average while he was with you in Tennessee, and then he goes to the Green Bay Packers, and he's murders it. 26 and 6. Murders it. I'm a huge believer in next man up. So it's literally, we have our pieces. Like you said, it's like, it's kind of hard to mess that up. Do you want to stack the box and leave AJ Brown and Julio Jones wide open? Or do you want to cover that? And then you give Derrick Henry who literally rushed for 2000 yards without two of his starting linemen. One of them being all pro Taylor Luan, who's back this year with more like it's yeah, it's how do you want to lose? Our offense is not going to be the problem. I literally see us with the number one offense in the NFL next year. And there's a lot of times where I gas us up. I legitimately believe that we will have the number one offense. The only thing that kind of scares me, the number three and number four option at wide receiver, a um, little thin. So as long as our people stay healthy and kind of do what we got to do, I have a lot of high hopes. That is concerning when you consider Julio has been dealing with some sort of injury over the last two years. Uh, obviously, A.J. Brown coming off uh, surgery, I believe, in the offseason as well. Yep. So, yeah, you're right. Those guys got to stay healthy. I think that's any team, though, right? Your team's got to stay healthy for you to be able to perform. So, obviously, we know Mike Vrabel. He said he's willing to cut off his unit there for a Super Bowl. Bigger than Goliath, what would you be willing to do for a Super Bowl? For, to have my first one, then? Is that one of the kids? Maybe. I was like, maybe at least put him on loan for a year. I don't know. I'm a, <laughs> I a retainer. One, Come back when you're the 18. Happy yard at 99, dude. Breaks my heart. And yeah, that's like a big knock again. We're always decent. We always have a team. We always have a squad. But hitting pay dirt, dude, and being able to have a ring, I really want it. I, I, I relate. Obviously, my team's been so close on the precipice as well. And not seeing them come down with it. Ah, it's brutal. And obviously you've been in a little bit of a longer wait with that anxiety, given how you mentioned just a couple yards away there, Steve McNair, that's all the way back to the 99 season. Was he a five years old looking at that? Yeah. Just like with I was that young and man, despair. that's when I first fell in love with football. And then I had honestly say the closest since then, like going forward is when CJ2K had his year, we were 13 and three. Play the Ravens right away. We go up 14-3, and then Chris Johnson hurts his leg. 
and Ravens muscle their way back and beat us. Yeah. And if, they go on to play in the Super Bowl. So I'm just like, son of a. <laughs> but focusing on this year, I, I think that the tight ends, they just have all the right pieces there to succeed, to win. Some of the biggest things they'll have to overcome, like I mentioned, they did make improvements to their defense. But last year's defense, no pass rush, one of the worst third down defenses in NFL history. Um, very frustrating, obviously, I'm sure to watch when you get a team to third down, you expect to stop them, not for them to consistently convert. And yes. this team uh, obviously hangs their hat on being a defensive team. That's something that the Titans have been able to do uh, consistently over the years. Now they're a little bit different. Now they're built strictly on their offense, it would seem. Yeah, so we definitely want our bread and butter still to be defense. I think signing uh, Autry in the offseason from the Colts was massive. And you had talked about Dupree also, but that front line, honestly, with Simmons, who's been an absolute stud from Ole Miss going into his third year, I really like that. Our backers with Evans and Landry. Um, we picked up Janoris Jenkins, who's a little older now, but better than what we had. So I really, really like him in the backfield. And then uh, Caleb Farley, a lot's going to ride on him. So he's a rookie going into this year. But honestly, he had top 10 promise before he got hurt in college. What was it, a back well, injury? Yeah. So from yeah. what I've heard, though, recovery's been awesome. But back and injuries, man, that's something that it's scary. Uh, you it's know, like a question mark. You play football, you know it. Like anytime that someone's Fingers. had like a back injury, that's just been Fingers. one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna see if he's gonna be that stud or not. So he's gonna have a chance to be starting week one. And let's see if he can pick up the pieces and do what he has to do. I uh, can't wait till week 16 when obviously your boys face my boys. I'm debating <laughs> on going to that game, so I don't know. Like you down? We, we get those tickets. We go to Nashville? Let me know when the tickets are, man. We might have to plan that because that's I mean, going to be a fun match, dude. Mid-December, though, I've thought about this. Obviously, open-air stadium in Tennessee. I've heard it might get a little chilly, so I don't know. Anything below 60. Obviously, you know we're New Mexicans. We run warm-blooded. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, man. Nissan Stadium's a good time. So seems like a good time. Downtown Nashville seems like a really good time too. Leave the, kids at, leave the kids at home, decompress for a little bit. Just that's, yeah. that's what you're going to sell to Tiff there. <laughs> but no, Matt, it was awesome to get you on the show. I think we had a great conversation. I think this is a really fun podcast, really good podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. You mentioned you, that you're talking about doing a couple singles coming out here soon. And you want to touch on those real quick? Yeah, man. So um, August 25th, I have a concert at the Launchpad. Anybody listening in Albuquerque, um, I'm opening up for Recognize from Strange Music. That's one of Tech Nine's rappers that he kind of went through and found. So I have two singles. One of them's Better Than Veterans with What Up Friday. And that's honestly one of my best songs that I think I've ever made in terms of punchlines. Um, so that one I'm really excited about. And then a little bit deeper one is going to be called Heart of Stone. And that one comes out here later August, too, on the 20th. Okay. Want to plug the socials, too? You got to get those obligatory plugs in. Follow official Bigger Than Goliath. We got memes. We got music. Everything you need in social media, come check your boy out. Uh, we know all about those memes, man. You come for the memes, you stay for the pod, you stay for the single, you stay for the album. But yes, speaking sir. of sticking around, to stick around, you got to hit that subscribe button, guys. We're closing in on 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we launch you along for the ride. Leave us a five-star on Apple iTunes. We need those reviews. They help the algorithm get us going off the floor. At Slump Buster Podcast on IG, at Slump Buster Pod on Twitter. Don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP and save yourself some money on your next delicious purchase of 
Caveman Coffee Co. Yes, cavemancoffeeco.com, promo code SLUMP. Guys, I need you to stay safe, happy, and healthy. And we'll be back with another one.